This morning's scripture is from Luke chapter 9, verses 28 through 36, and can be found on page 65 in your pew Bible if you want to follow. It's the readings about the transfiguration. Now about eight days after these sayings, Jesus took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. And while he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly they saw two men, Moses and Elijah, talking to him. They appeared in glory and were speaking of his departure, which was about to be accomplished at Jerusalem. Now Peter and his companions were weighed down with sleep, but since they stayed awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. Just as they were leaving him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. While he was saying this, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were terrified as they entered the cloud. Then from the cloud came a voice that said, This is my son, my chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. And they kept silent, and in those days told no one any of the things they had seen. Let us hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Thanks be to God. What do I tell them on Sunday? Asked a faithful United Methodist pastor. Of course, he was referencing the events of the special session of the General Conference that we've heard so much about this past week. You may know that the General Conference is the highest legislative body in United Methodism, and you've probably heard that they voted recently by a very, very narrow margin, 53% to 47%, to retain discriminatory language against the LGBT community, to retain punitive language toward those who celebrate same-gender weddings, to increase punishments toward those bishops who will not enforce the will of the General Conference. They also allowed to stand a barrier to LGBTQ people seeking ordination and ministerial service in the church. That faithful United Methodist pastor answered his own rhetorical question, saying, tell them, tell them that we are in the birth canal of a brand new church, that it's dark, that it's scary, 
that it's even dangerous, but it is a birth canal nonetheless. I think we can see the story of transfiguration as something of a birth canal. Peter, James, and John on the top of that mountain see something no one else has seen. This person that they walked day by day with is suddenly transfigured. The earthly Jesus becomes the cosmic Christ. Radiant faces, an ethereal being. And James and Peter and John behold the deepest truth of who Christ is. And then Moses and Elijah and Jesus talk. And they're talking about Jerusalem. They're talking about the place that Jesus will choose to go, where he will be executed, where he will die. Amid the glory they speak of a suffering and of a death because they know that that suffering will be redemptive. They speak of how the world will be reborn by God's power at resurrection. One of the things that strikes me on this day about that story is that Peter, James, and John are drowsy. They're sleepy, but they don't quite fall asleep. You ever get that way? You're in a conversation with somebody, and what they're saying, you just don't quite get. And you don't want to be rude and say that, but your mind kind of drifts, and your energy drops. I don't know, maybe you're doing that now while I'm preaching. If you are, don't tell me. But there's a withdrawal. Peter, James, and John are withdrawing because they cannot comprehend that suffering, that death, will yield rebirth. Something of a birth canal. Well, the legislation that was passed at General Conference does not reflect my values. The legislation passed at General Conference does not reflect your values. And I would be so bold as to say the legislation passed does not reflect the values of the vast majority of United Methodists throughout New England and throughout the United States. So wear your rainbows, pride. Be who we are. Have some useful information you might want to know. All that the special session acted on was referred to our judicial council. That is, think of the Supreme Court of the United Methodist Church. All of its petitions will be measured against the Constitution those parts deemed to be unconstitutional will be struck down 
and those parts deemed consistent with. You can hear me? Speak up. Those parts deemed consistent with the Constitution will be retained. And it will all become church law January 1st, 2020. That's not a good thing. <laughs> now, I've not heard anyone from Wesley say that this is the last straw that they're going to leave the church because of this vote. Although I have heard others say that. And I certainly understand the feelings and the hurt that would move anyone in that direction. But that's not where I'm going. <laughs> you might take some hope in the fact that the United Methodist Church is probably the only truly global church. 58% of the delegates at General Conference come from the United States. The remainder come are international. I experienced hopefulness about our future when I learned that 65% of the U.S. delegates did not support these actions. A minority of U.S. delegates were effective in cobbling together a very slim majority by combining with 85% of the international delegates. The desire to be both a global church and a progressive church are in conflict. You might take hope in the fact that we are working out that conflict because it is good to be a global church. I want to suggest another place where we might find a sense of hope. As surely as we oppose what has been done, that is shared throughout the New England Annual Conference of our church. And I would like to invite us not to withdraw, but to join together with our sisters and brothers in Christ to advocate for what we value. And I do believe that if we stay together, if we hang in there with one another, we will have a stronger voice than if we step back. I'd like to tell you that on March 16th at 1 o'clock, at the Lebanon United Methodist Church, there'll be a gathering called Courageous Conversations. And we'll talk together about what we can do, how we can respond. I have taken great hope 
and that everything I have seen from congregation after congregation after congregation are bold statements that say, no matter what the General Conference rules, we will remain faithful to our vision of inclusivity for our LGBTQ sisters and brothers. Over and over again that's being said, and we're saying it this morning, and it is beautiful. I'll also re repeat what I have said many, many times. The struggle for inclusivity in the United Methodist Church is the epic struggle of a lifetime. It can neither be won nor lost by one vote at one meeting. It's an epic struggle of a lifetime. So remain of good courage. Keep on advocating. We've had good days in this journey, and we've had some bad days in this journey. But rest assured, there'll always be another day to assert our hopes. So where do we go from here? Like Peter, James, and John, it's time to wake up a little bit. It's time to go to our LGBTQ friends and show them how deeply we care. Come with a great big pile of pride that's commensurate with the hurt they have felt over these difficult words. It's time to wake up to the power we have within the church to construct the future we desire. It's time to know that we are in the birth canal of a new and a better church. Amen.